Alright, that's the worst Bob Dylan imitation. <laughs> it really is. If you hadn't told me ahead of time, I would have no idea you were trying to sound like Bob Dylan there. Alright, that's a little better. I feel the urge to purge this movie. Okay. Hey, you're you're jumping the gun here. You know, you you need to keep that uncontrollable urge inside you to purge in this review. <laughs> yeah, like, well, all right. Well, before we get into all that, welcome everyone to another episode of the Wages of Cinema podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am, as always, your mainstay, Jack the... I mean, I should come up with a name for myself. Jack the... Jack. <laughs> yes. And always is with me is... Trash Panda Corey. And boy, did we watch some trash today. Not good trash. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, for those who are uh, maybe frequent or, or maybe casual listeners to the program, um, you might have remembered that just a couple months ago, uh, we decided to uh, do a deep dive into the... Uh, first four Purge movies, um, including the first Purge, which is actually the fourth Purge, <laughs> but God forbid they call it the fourth Purge, because now the Purge is the first Purge, but it's not, you get what I mean. Uh, we already went through that bit. Um, but the point is, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. Um, but in general, we, uh, yeah, and part of it too is because I hadn't seen two of the movies, um, and I, I realized that I should tr I should rectify that because you've, you know, talked much about how much you like this series it, on the whole. I mean, with some exceptions, I think we both like the the first four movie. Well, not quite the first one, but there are like three mildly to pretty entertaining Purge movies. Yes. And now, though, we come in this year of our Lord, twenty twenty one to the forever purge which is uh, uh it, it comes once again from uh writer james demonico who's written all these movies he directed three of them and uh, the director this time is someone who uh, i'm not kidding did you look up who the director's name is of this no I hope i god i feel so bad if i'm mispronouncing this name i apologize so much his name is Everardo Gout. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Imagine saying, like, on set, like, we got the gout <laughs> as he comes out, like, with his viewfinder or whatever. <laughs> um, he's apparently, I looked him up, he's only directed, uh, it looks like maybe one other movie. It was called Days of Grace. And from the looks of it, it seems like it's okay. Uh, here's what it says here. Mexico City, 2002, 2006, 2010. A cop, a hostage, a wife, corruption, violence, vengeance. I'm reading three destinies during 30 days during three soccer world cups. Three ways to fight in order to survive. Oh, my God. So I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of reviews. I guess the point is, this guy was basically handed, like, you know, go crazy with this movie. And 
Oh, uh, if only he had. I know. Oh, God. All right. To give the briefest plot synopsis, because we're going to talk about the movie fairly generally, and then we will have a spoiler section, which is where we'll go, you know, extra ham on this purge sandwich. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll add some mustard and, you know, Corey out lads her, you know, trash panda ness. <laughs> lots, of, lots of salty trash panda. Um, <laughs> and, all right. This movie, uh, so this one takes place, I would guess, a little, like, sometime after the third movie, uh, which was Purge the election year. At this point now, you know, the, the Purge is still going strong each year. The NFFA is keeping things, you know, as as usual. And this time, instead of being in a city, we're set in, you know, kind of like the the Southwest uh, I presume either tech. I would presume Texas or New Mexico. It's Texas. It's in El Paso. Oh well. Wait, wait, wait. I thought it's not El Paso till like the second half of the movie. They Aren't couldn't they... have been that far away from El Paso. It seems like they were driving for a while. The movie, uh... the entire movie, <laughs> is definitely set in Texas. No, no, no. Okay, all right. It could have been New Mexico. I was just putting no, it out there. No, it was there. not. In the, like the very beginning of the movie, like within the first five minutes, one of the actresses right. is looking at a sign oh, saying oh. that they live in Texas. All right, I'm sorry. All right, I was, I was wrong, but now I'm now I'm right. This <laughs> is how incredibly boring and nondescript this movie is. <laughs> okay, so the w the difference this time is you know for for all the past purge movies you have the template where you know, you you get set up with your characters for the first like 15 20 minutes then the lot you know the screen comes on the TV saying this is the annual purge text 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 and then it's now purge night and you're seeing you know the night go by and how all the characters are dealing this time we have like a family that is kind of like these fairly well-off uh, ranch cowboy people, you know, with Josh Lucas, his wife, um, who now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, I don't know which one's his wife and which one's his sister. Yeah, there's a, both a wife and sister. Well, the problem is they look very similar, don't they? Like, they could very easily be switched out, and the only difference is the wife is pregnant and the sister obviously isn't. Yeah. Um and then Will Patton is like the 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 patriarch. And they're also uh Mexican characters um with uh, Ana de la Reguera playing Adela who is one of uh, a few immigrants who we see at the very beginning of the movie sneak across the border and but then that's like cut to 10 months later when she's already now settled in, you know, working kitchen. And now the but what happens though is you get set up with these characters, you get some sort of dynamics. Now it's purge night, but the purge night is over in like, I'd say roughly like five, ten minutes of the movie. I would say purge night covers like five to ten minutes of the runtime, but the movie doesn't start at the like doesn't start when purge night starts so you're more than five to ten minutes into the movie when purge oh night oh yeah, yeah 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 yes the actual purge night which is usually 90 percent of these movies is like five to ten minutes yeah now this isn't this won't be a surprise if 
anyone's seen the trailer. The trailer makes it pretty clear that, you know, this time we think, wait, the purge is over. No, it's the forever purge, <laughs> which, of course, when the trailers for this were first coming out, um, at least several people, including uh, Jenny Nicholson on Twitter, um, made the joke that, wait, so now the purge is happening after purge night ends. So it's crime. <laughs> yeah, it's just crime. <laughs> it's just crime. Yeah. And. So that's what happens. Like you, Purge Night ends, and yet it, what really happens is uh, like a terrorist organization that it, I don't know if it's ever entirely clear if they were. No, no, no. It actually, I'm going to take that back. It, it should be pretty clear that they were clearly very well organized, but that leads to a lot of other questions that I'll have in this movie. They are continuing the purge and it's really like you know white supremacist ethnic cleansing you know as you know it, 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 you know as apocalyptic you know fair and so now we're gonna follow our characters you know the white ranch hands and the mexican uh you know uh you know tough people who know how to handle their guns and stuff because you know reasons that maybe we'll get to later they're now going to try to get to El Paso so that they can cross the border. And that's basically our our movie. Yeah, so the novelty of this movie is you're seeing the violence of the purge time spill over into after purge night is over and the white supremacist terrorists basically say we are going to be purging forever. Basically, we are going to purge until we murder everyone who is not a true and pure American. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, yeah, in other words, if you're not white. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is, that's quite a task to like put upon yourselves <laughs> if you're really feeling for this cause. And, I'm going to say something. I want to say something nice about the movie first. I I like that there's a, a there's some ambition to this movie in in terms of like trying to open it up. It's not just in like you know a few city blocks that you clearly can tell like they're only shooting in the same few blocks and you know they 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 there's even a couple moments that I see like oh you're trying to you're you're trying to keep a shot going. You're you're really you're uh, good for you. Uh, <laughs> not, now, the problem, though, comes in that this ambition to try to open it up and be, you know, maybe more of like an epic story, it, 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 it sacrifices logic, which isn't a surprise if you've seen the other Purge movies, but what it also sacrifices is any sense of fun. Yeah, so I appreciate that they're trying to break the formula in some respect. That's a smart thing to do for a fifth movie in a franchise. And I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. If The Purge was real, I think it's very realistic that people would continue their purging after the official end of purge time. And yeah. that terrorist groups would be emboldened 
well, by yeah. the purge. And also, specifically, the way the movie handles this, pur the purge election year ends with the Elizabeth Mitchell character winning a presidential election on a let's abolish the purge platform. Yeah. So the third movie ends on this kind of hopeful note where, okay, this politician has been elected president on a platform of let's get rid of the purge. But we find out in the opening preamble to this movie that it's some unspecified time after her election... Um, this idea, let's get rid of the purge, falls out of favor. The new founding fathers come back into power. Mm -hmm. And they say, let's bring the purge back. So I also think it makes sense that the white supremacists, which we know have been part of the new founding fathers for multiple films, would feel extra emboldened. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, it there's... There's something that the movie could have explored, but obviously they're not really interested in it, which is like maybe that that could have been more reflective of politics today, which is, you know, you have like conservatives that, you know, are out and out racists and demagogues and, you know, anti-women and all this stuff. But they try not, you know, but they don't really speak about it too much out loud. Like they think like, oh, you got to you know keep that quiet. And now, but now you have also the Trumpers and the QAnon people who have no problem just letting the diarrhea flow out of their mouths. <laughs> and I feel like you could have had something like that. And I think they tried to hint that that sort of that, like, be, you know, you have these, you know, basically these uh, anarchic terrorist factions that want, you know, they actually have a name in the movie. Do you remember that? Um, I know they refer to well, the purge being ever after, but but it's yeah the ever after that's it. Well, they, they well I feel like they had a name like on their truck. Well, they had ever after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the ever afters. All right, so we'll just call them the ever afters here. And that they, I don't know what my point was what was with that, but I think that you could have had some type of distinction with that in the movie because they show like eventually the NFFA does put, like, a military lockdown. Like, that isn't exactly a spoiler to say. Like, that's where you get into the deeper shit in the movie, which is that, oh, okay, so now NFFA realizes that this has completely gone out of control. They got to put martial law in. That is a really good point, actually, that the new founding fathers of America consider themselves the kind of gentlemanly, genteel murderers and they're presented in the movie as upper crust as wealthy as like waspish as refined the, the, they're mike they're mike pence yeah so like <laughs> they're mike pence and the ever afters are like donald trump so i think you're right that one of the things that this movie could have done is explored the relationship between the new founding fathers and the ever afters did you notice yeah there is not a single new founding father character in this movie. No, no. And it it's kind of weird because you would think that they were such a big part of, you know, the second, third, and even to an extent, you know, also kind of the, in the fourth movies. They're not anywhere near here. I mean, was there some kind of point that 
like Demonica was making with that, you think that like th they're now like so untouchable that they're just like out of reach, or was he just not interested? Like I don't know. There's a line it's at the end of the movie, but I don't think it counts as a spoiler. Where one of the newscasts says the new founding fathers have lost control of their creation. Yeah. Meaning that the new founding fathers, the initiators of the purge, individuals who profited off of the purge, um, it's not working for them anymore. And that's yeah. a really interesting dynamic the movie could have explored, but it completely doesn't. No, no. What this movie is, is just like a very dull almost like a video game like brought but in a movie form yeah you nailed it when you said that this movie is the absence of fun um <laughs> and i want to make clear it's not i don't have a problem with the fact that the movie is full of clumsy ham-fisted obvious political messaging that's not the problem the other movies are full of clumsy, ham-fisted political messaging, and I'm fine with it. Um, but you gotta like, but you gotta package it in something that you know it has more. I'm not even gonna say it has to even be fun, but just more distinctive personalities. Yes, I mean in this movie, it we don't really have like, and that it's not necessarily this movie had to have it, but like in the you think about in the first purge. I mean the fourth purge movie called yeah. the first purge. You know, you have like a character like Skeletor. Yeah. And he isn't necessarily like the main, you know, antagonist that the characters have to conquer. There are a lot of, you know, ob obstacles that like the main characters have to overcome, but he's such a like vivid presence in that movie that when he comes up, you're just like, "Oh shit, here's this guy." What do we have in this movie like that? You have, like, at one point, a, you know, crazed neo-Nazi guy who gets, like, you know, who goes on rants in a truck. Uh, and then there's another, like, bearded, you know, redneck guy, like, in the last quarter of the movie who's just so, like, been there, done that. This guy's been poured over from The Walking Dead. <laughs> Yeah, like, this feels like I was watching like a later season of The Walking Dead or long something. Long after we gave up the show. <laughs> but yeah, the issue is when we walked out of the theater, I told you, I feel like this entire series, one of the strengths has been its roster of flamboyant, charismatic villains. Like, even in, even in, you know, Purge 2013. Yeah. I'll try to distinguish that as the original Purge movie, you had, uh, what's his name? Like, the preppy, you know, psycho guy. Yeah. You know, he he was so good in that part. Like, both the, you know, the actor, you know, just latched onto that character, you know, and whatever was on the page, he livened it up. And it, it, it made that movie at least a little more tolerable. You don't really, but you don't have that here. The, the, the group of characters that we're following are just so stock and so tropey. And, like, Josh Lucas's character has the pregnant wife. 
And guess what's going to happen with the pregnant wife in the last part of this movie? Gee, I wonder. Yeah, it's so annoying. And and I also said to you, in the Purge election year, you have, like, that awesome teenage girl who's like, I want my candy bar. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is in the other movies, the villains, like, they wear, like, colorful costumes. They... They wear, like, funny masks, and they got a lot of panache, and I don't think it would have undermined the political message of this movie to actually have colorful, entertaining characters. Well, I feel like maybe for, like, five minutes, they almost thought they had that, because um, what happens is there's a character in the movie, and... God, I don't even remember who, what the name of this guy was, but he was someone who worked for the Will Patton character. Do yes, you know what I'm talking about? And he was in. He was good, but he was barely in the movie. Well, he basically gets to monologue. He he does the whole monologuing shtick at you know when this whole idea of oh oh so the per so this isn't ending like these guys are now. You know, it seems like they're at first just going around town to still, you know, create chaos and kill people and do whatever um, the next day after the purge ends. And this guy goes on this whole thing about how, like, you know, we're now switching places. You have nothing. I have everything. And it is ham-fisted still, but at least that actor was kind of bringing some personality he was good he should have been in more of it and i don't care what the incredibles has to say a movie like this could have really benefited from some monologuing well well also because at least it's just distracting you from how like this is kind of like just an ugly looking movie oh it's it's so ugly and i know probably the director thought like no we have to have realism no that's not like this movie and even by the time, eventually, towards the end of the movie, I feel like they kind of try to call back to some type of Mad Max aesthetic. You know, like, the some of the characters are riding on, like, dune buggies and, like, some of those vehicles. But it's... it It's not interesting. It's just not very, like, compelling. It, it's... Again, you're... All you're giving me is grisly violence, which... Cool, but... There's got to be something else, or at least even the heroic characters, as stock and thin as they were in the other movies, I think were better than the ones here. This movie is beige personified. <laughs> the setting is beige. The characters are beige. The plot is beige. This movie, I don't think it, I've done a good job yet of emphasizing this movie is boring. This movie is so boring yeah and like you know I mean, like i think part of it as well is it wants to try to also have its other political statement aside from <laughs> you know right-wing extremism is you know immigrants what's up with that yeah. <laughs> you know and, oh and they also kind of shove in some native american stuff as well like that was kind of that was odd like they 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 have they have like that guy on the TV who's you know mm. Native American man and I feel bad I don't remember he had like a weird character name though do you know what I'm talking about 
His name, I'm trying to, I'm looking His name is Robert Paulson. Do you know I'm talking about, though? I know who he was. I'm just trying to. Is just not listed, like, in the credits? Um... I feel really bad for you, actor man, if you're if you're listening. Um, oh, know. his name is just Xavier. The wait, is this who I'm thinking of? Yeah, it's definitely him. Oh, oh, him? Hmm. Uh. N- oh, okay. I thought it was someone else. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he also gets to have a whole thing, like you know, like. We've been doing this for 500 years. You know, at one point he has that type of thing. And when it comes down to it, they're also just, there's Josh Lucas and the, you know, he, he has like a conversation with this Mexican guy. We were talking about this after the movie ended and they try to give like the Josh Lucas character, uh, his name in it is Dylan Tucker, which good God, that is the name. Um, you know, they try to give him, like, a point of view that, oh, at first he seems, like, racist because, he, you know, it's you know, the other Mexicans think, like, oh, this guy doesn't like us, you know, because he's kind of snide and he doesn't want, like, the Mexicans, like, kind of living in the house or kind of commingling early on. Typical stuff. Although, and then, of course, Will Patton is, like, the more kindly patriarch guy. And, but then about halfway through the movie... In this like middle of the night truck ride, Dylan and this other uh, Mexican character have a conversation, but it just seems like why are you having this conversation right now? That's what I said. This is a problem in a lot of movies. I call it the War of the Worlds problem, even though it's not exclusively for War of the Worlds. But I remember when the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie came out, I could not stand the fact. That Tom Cruise's deeply irritating children took um, whined about his lapses as a father in the heat of an alien invasion. And I'm watching the movie and I was like, in no universe would anyone be litigating this right now. Like, kids are not going to be like, Daddy, why didn't you come to my Little League game when aliens are, like, shooting lasers at them? How about, like... wouldn't it be nice if characters in the midst of like catastrophe get kind of humbled yeah and the the scene that you're referring to in the forever purge is when these characters as you can imagine because it's in a purge movie they're involved in a high danger high violence high tension situation yeah they just got done with like trying to thwart these, like, ever-after bikers. And, you know, one of them happened to have, like... Well, that was kind of dumb, too. Like, after it seemed like they were already going to be in a shooting fight, like, she pulls up, like, a banner that says ever-after, and they go, like, oh, she's one of us! So, in this moment, where time is of the essence, tempers are running high, the streets are literally running red with blood, um... The main kind of Hispanic guy, Juan, turns to um, the, like, soft racist Josh Lucas. Soft libertarian might be the quote-unquote name for Um, him. And says to him, like, 
something like, why don't you like Mexicans? And I'm watching this, and I'm like, under no universe would anyone be having this conversation at this moment. No, it's only it's because the writer thinks this is where the character has to, like, try to connect, you know, be more humanized for the audience because he's been, like, this, like, tough, closed-off white guy who, you know, because he's had to be a man of action, we like him a little bit more, you know, because now he's, like, shooting people in the head and trying to save his, you know, family and all that. But, hey, let's let's try to understand him a little bit more. And it falls apart so much. I should mention, too, this guy is only a soft racist by the standard of Purge movies, <laughs> where, which are full of murderous white supremacists. It, in normal world, he's it, pretty damn racist. Well, this is the kind of movie that opens with, like, the whole, like, dichotomy is represented in a very ham-fisted way, which I wanted to try, I wanted to let this go because I thought, all right, this is early on the movie, whatever. Let's take this, like, diet, dumb, the writer scene for what it is, where, like, the Josh Lucas character can't calm a horse. And then, I don't know if it's Juan or the other Mexican guy who comes up and just, like, uses his, like, special horse magic like calmness to make the horse fall asleep (laughs) it was that was very silly to me just like why isn't the horse just calmed down why does the horse have to like lie down and like take a nap that didn't seem like the point of that i I know i know that's a nitpick but but this if we haven't been abundantly clear, this is by far the worst of these movies. Even if you consider yourself a fan of these movies, this movie is really bad, and you're I, not going to like it. I think that part of the issue is, you know, I, I get that it wants to... I think this one, more than even the other ones, wants to be, like, you know, a run-and-gun action movie. It More than the horror part, it's really interested in the like shocking action violence and all that but after a while it's just watching if you're gonna have people shooting at each other it just it you gotta come up with more clever ways to show it at least than what you're doing here like again it's like that's why i said it felt like i was watching a video game it's like let me you know i could let me give give me the controller i guess to let me go and like kill some of these like ever after fuckers but that's not an entertaining movie to me and you're not giving me stuff to like kind of laugh at or have fun with and if your whole point is well now things are really dark things are really grim well no i'm sorry but that's not like what you've kind of done with these franchises so far imagine like if, like, the fifth Final Destination movie had been, like, a Michael Haneke movie. Yeah, this movie is just deadening. And there is no... There is absolutely no creativity to the staging of the of the action in these movies. There is no cool set pieces. There is no cool chases, even. Yeah! There is no, like cat and mouse element that's, to it that's very true yeah i try i'm thinking back to you know what there are scenes of there are sequences of 
you know, pretty brutal violence. Uh, all right, no. I will say there's one kind of memorable scene where the Ana de Iglesia... Just call her by her character name, Adela. Adela, sorry. Adela is in an alley. She sees a goat in, like, a cage. This is, like, at the beginning, like, in the morning after of Purge Night. And, you know, then, like, she touches a latch. It, like... Get, gets her by the neck, it flips her over onto the thing, and this is when she finds out, oh shit, like, there are these crazy bastards who are gonna, like, kill us. That, I think, was kind of memorable for yes, me. Yes, and of course, that it was, was okay. in the trailer. So, that like, the too. one... The one mildly clever thing in this movie is in the trailer, so you don't... You really don't need to see the movie, but... Oh, and there's, like, well, there's one dumb movie line which also was in the trailer where like a, a character but this is by the point where it's already kind of dead inside like I, uh, <laughs> like one of the terrorist characters is also about to you know possibly do something to Adele Adela and you know he's like Tra you know speak English speak English translate and then he gets cornered by another Mexican who says translate this yeah, or like, does this translate? Or does something. this translate? Something like that. Which is also in the trailer, I should say. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it. And also, something else I wanted to talk about. Like, is it. Do you think this movie. Is there anything about as far as this coming out now, as opposed to if it came out like a year ago? Uh. This isn't about, like, we're going to get into some other stuff and spoilers and really get angry. But J January 6th, you know, that was kind of a big deal. Like, does that, do you, do you think that colors at all, like, your perspective on the movie? I don't really think it does for me, because I think I could try to divorce myself. But at the same time, the movie was doing things that made me think about January 6th a lot. I didn't think much about January 6th, but here's my take on this movie. This movie, I think, is the most, like, self-important Purge movie. Yeah. But actually, in some ways that I'm going to get into when we talk about spoilers, I think this is actually, like, a softer, wussier Purge movie. It absolutely is. It, it totally is because, well, we talked about this after the movie ended, well, the point I just thought of, I just realized it. James DeMonico, I think, wanted to do, like, the Sicario of Purge <laughs> movies, and he just failed miserably. Like, he wanted to make, like, that type of tone, and it just doesn't fit with, like, his own, like, screenwriting style. Because um, I just... I'm not going to pretend any of these movies had, like, deep characters, but they at least it, had, like superficially entertaining characters yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and what we were we were about to get to and I I meant I I guess I cut you off my Sicario comment. Something we were talking about a little bit after the movie ended was that the this softness it it's kind it it's un, you you have to look for it, but it really is there in the sense of the predictability. Every character in this movie that you think is going to make it to the end guess what makes it to the end there's no like real heightening of like the stakes as far as who's you know go you know who who might die 
you know, that the, the kind of emotional stakes are not there. So all of this, like, posturing of, like, darkness and grittiness, it's just, like, nihilism on its face. Yeah, but it's, at its heart, I think literally every other Purge movie goes harder than this one. And I also think that every other Purge movie, including Purge 2013, challenges the audience more or advances the worldview of the filmmaker more. Yeah. Because to anyone who's listening to this, and somehow if you've not seen any of the Purge movies and you're starting with the Forever Purge, white supremacist violence is not new to this installment. No. This has been a consistent theme of Purges 2, 3, and 4. And even to an extent, the, the, the 2013 one. Yeah. I mean, what kicks off the whole, like, main meat of that story? It's that, you know, a black a black guy is trying to run away from these killers. The, the kid lets him in, and the whole plot really hinges on like what's going to happen to this black character so actually i don't think this movie the forever purge says anything about racism or inequality that the other uh, movies didn't already uh, say no it it says something it says racism bad (laughs) (laughs) you know immigration uh good uh in a in a weird way Uh, by the end of it it's like huh Uh, (laughs) no i would say i think the very end of this movie wants to try to leave the audience with like maybe some degree of hope but it's just so false feeling but yeah i think when this whole movie is really about like isn't it how cool how that guy's head got blown off see i think this movie said while it's superficially, you know, serious and gritty and dark. I actually think, what I'm about to say is going to sound weird. I think this movie is like a Hallmark Channel heart. <laughs> it really does. And that's not what I want out of a Purge movie. Yeah, ultimately, like, it, you know, I feel like in the, especially, well, in Anarchy and Election Year, Frank Grillo... And also to an extent in the first Purge, uh, the I think the actor was y- Yalal Ney. Like um, I miss. I hope I'm not mispronouncing his. The name. guy who was on Insecure too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I. And also it, one of the actresses from um, the Purge series was also in Get Out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he like these characters. Yeah, that you might look at them and say like, "Oh, they're traditional badass movie characters," but I feel like even they, to an extent, had more going on as far as you know. They're the they're the people that were were following here, but they're also they're doing criminal shit. Like Frank Grillo and Anarchy is basically the Punisher, and the uh, and the character in uh, the first Purge. Um, who again? I think his uh, his name is his first name. I know is Yalel. Yalal. It's a hard name to pronounce. I, I feel a little ashamed that I'm not saying it quite correctly here. Um, but uh, 
Was that kind of close? Yolan. Yolan, thank you. Yeah. He, I mean, he's like a drug dealer, uh, you know, and yet he becomes kind of our, you know, the guy who's going to somehow lead the way. You don't get that with these characters. They're just like, oh, Josh Lucas, you know, little racist. <laughs> well, again, I feel like the other Purge movies let you are both like fun exploitation movies full of like ham-fisted politics this is just ham-fisted politics but they've sucked every ounce of personality or style yeah. out of the like exploitation film part of it yeah yeah or or if they have or if the little moment or they have characters who could be more pulpy exploitation characters but then they're done away with as we talked about like the the character who's you know you're you're now me and i'm you you know i have what you have and like he he's spoiler he's dispatched very quickly let's get to spoilers actually we've we been talking should. about this movie a yeah, lot already I, you made me think of something though kind of funny like and thinking about the josh lucas character there is like a song from fly the concords which i think i saw in the Lindsay ellis video uh. and it's like a song where it's about like a racist guy and jermaine comments like well, he's not racist anymore. <laughs> yes! well, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> All right, let's get to spoilers. Yeah. This is your spoiler alert. Although, again, I want to emphasize, this movie is very bad. Yeah. Do not go see it. It's super boring. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. So it, my, my final thoughts in this uh, main part of the review are uh, just skip this movie. You know, like don't don't bother. Like if, if you just go and rewatch one of the other Purge movies instead, even the even even the Ethan Hawke Purge, yeah. like that, like it, it, that at least as as mishandled as that kind of is, at least it was trying to wrestle with the idea in that this guy had first come up with. Now I think he's I think this guy's just running on like fumes. He's spent. And, and it's a shame because, like, I don't think this is getting spoilers. I, I think that there was a potentially much more clever idea instead of making it this big, like, apocalyptic scenario. If you made it, like, you took the idea that, like, these, these, ga these criminals, uh, not on this huge nationwide scale, but maybe just in like this small Texas town decided like, well, you know, we're not just going to have the purge, you know, we're going to actually do some murdering and crimes the morning after the purge. And that way, when the cops come around, like, how are they going to prove that this happened right now or during purge night? You know, you could have had like criminals could still be getting away with things, the morning or even the day into after the purge because where what would the evidence show or hopping off that idea and this this would work if you were set in one locality have the cops collaborating ah what? yeah yeah that's tr and you got to think that's a great one too because by this point, after so many years of purges, the cops know, like, 
what usually happens on purge night as far as who's committing the crimes, yeah. where it's happening. And yeah, you could have had almost like like cops are plotting with the criminals to do this heist. And if for, and like the, maybe you have some characters calling up the cops. Nope, the cops aren't going to help you. If anything, they're the ones like that you got to be afraid of the most. Then you also then you could still fit in your ham-fisted social commentary. Yeah, so it is really sad because we both think there's a lot you could do with a movie mm -hmm. set in the immediate aftermath of The Purge. Yeah, and I think the, the problem is, though, I have to, in a weird way, I feel like maybe they got a higher budget for this one than the others. It seems like it's, you know, maybe the other ones had a $10 million budget and this is like 20. <laughs> so like it, it's like he, he sacrificed like creativity for scale. Oh, what a perfect way of putting it. But I, I just want to emphasize again, there are no good kills in this movie. There are no creative, uh, yeah. um, there are no creative I, murders. I would say there's one almost good kill with that cage. Um, but of course, again, it was in the trailer. Also, like, no good music in this movie. Yeah, you don't get, like, that fun, like, funky soul song in from the first Purge when, like, the two, like, crazy old ladies are pushing their, like, cart full of weapons or whatever down, like, the street. Uh, if anybody's seen the first Purge movie, that was one of the most memorable moments of the movie for me. Yeah, basically... In all the other movies, a lot of the purgers are very theatrical, and that's totally absent. Here. No, it's, well, it's, well, there is, like, they're still, like, hiding the, the, like, a lot of their faces, which at a certain point, like, I don't know why you would do that. Like, that's, why would you hide your face anymore if you're, like, super proud of your, you know, ever after purging? All right, let's All right, I know. We're, 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 we're off track. We're going to get into spoilers now. I just had to get that out as an example of how this movie was a lost opportunity, too. Yeah, okay. okay. So, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, if you are listening to this and don't want to hear spoilers, you should tap out now. If you've seen the movie or you're not caring much about being spoiled, listen on. Three, two, one. Let me put my phone back in the bill. All right, so... The this... fucking the fucking border uh, plot reveal, I think, is what sunk this movie for me. This movie has the single dumbest plot development in all five Purge movies, and that is a lot. Yeah. So here's what happens. Like, so the I feel like it's the the this extended uh, Purge day. Um, has it, it's only been a day, right? Or is it into the second day when this is announced? It's hard to say. Honestly. I feel like well, they were driving at night, like in that truck, and they arrive at El Paso, and I feel like that's or, or right before they arrive to El Paso is when it gets announced that like suddenly there's you know because of all of it, this is happening you know nationwide, you know that all that the ever afters are. You know, spark. You know, creating all of this like chaos and killing all of the the black and brown people. The the government decide like the governments of Mexico and Canada open their borders for six hours 
to anyone in the, the in America that wants to come over into the country. It's the dumbest thing ever. There is no universe in in which America engulfed in civil war level violence. There is no universe in which Canada and Mexico would say we are going to open our borders no, to you. No absolute way and it, it it's all it's extra inexcusable when James, you know, again, these filmmakers, you know, fucking Blum and DeMonico and all these people, they've had an extra year where they could have, I don't know, reworked stuff or I don't know if they would could have reshot the movie. Maybe it was, they didn't want to put any more money into it. But again, we've seen what's happened in the past year with COVID. And this isn't like mass anarchy and the destruction of actual society. You know, it was a pandemic, but you saw how Canada and I don't know if did Mexico close their border See, too? I was not following the border with Mexico at all. I don't know what Mexico did, but I was following the border with Canada for two reasons. One, I'm a big hockey person. And of course, if you're really into hockey, you're going to learn something about Canada because there's Canadian teams. A lot of the media personalities yes. are Canadian. The half the players are Canadian. Also, I watch multiple TV shows that shoot in Canada. Yeah, and uh, for anyone listening who were big fans of uh, Supernatural, uh, the final episodes of Supernatural were affected by COVID, and in particular how the show was shot and specifically what couldn't be shot because of the restrictions. So yeah, with Canada basically was very strict about what Americans were let over the border because Canada's COVID outbreak was not as severe as America's. And Canada, they shut that border down completely for a while. And even when they opened it, it was very limited. You had to quarantine for weeks. Yeah, and this was like, you know, this was when I would think that, in theory at least, you could have, you know, if you were an American, you could simply show, like, a Canadian border person, like, no, 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 I have a negative COVID uh, test. You know, let me into the country. They didn't care. No, no. I mean, well, they were dealing with their own problems, why the fuck would Canada or Mexico let in, you know, uh, the you know, as if like, well, first of all, for only six hours, why that number? And that's a whole other question itself. But secondly, how do they know like they're not letting in ever after people who are just going to be like, oh hey, I'm just you know a regular guy, let me into the country, <laughs> I'm killing all you people, yeah. especially Mexico. Because we know <laughs> the Ever Afters are genocidal white supremacists who want to murder Mexicans, specifically. Yeah. They want to murder Mexicans. Yeah. And, and you know, and I assume also, like, you know, there are, you know, non-white people living in Canada, too, that they would want to take out. Like, why what is, are the Ever Afters, like only setting their sights on uh you know america no they 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 probably would want to go into canada and mexico and make it like a north american thing like you, you know you, yeah th that's so stupid like 
why why is it and also why six hours why such like that amount of time what like that that how would how would any significant number of people get over the borders in six hours that's barely any time yeah it's incredibly stupid that the country should do this and when i said to you it irritated me not only because it was incredibly stupid, but it was gratuitously and unnecessarily stupid because if the filmmakers wanted the general premise to be our main characters want to cross the border into Mexico, they can tell that story without Canada and Mexico explicitly legalizing border crossing during this treacherous time because we see in the beginning of the movie that some of our hispanic heroes have crossed the border from mexico into america yeah they know how to do it so you can tell a story about characters who want to flee to mexico without this incredibly stupid, it, the Mexican and Canadian it, governments are going to let terrorist it, Americans into their country. It's all, it's to set up a useless ticking like clock uh, plot point. It's there to try to up the stakes that, oh, so we got, we got to go over now. We, we got to get over before they close the border. Otherwise, how are we, we're, we're going to be locked here in America with these, you know, killers and you know, we got to go, we got to go. And you know, it, it, then what happens ultimately, though, too, it this whole ticking clock thing ends up kind of being moot because, like, they're almost ready to cross. They're waiting in like a kind of, I guess, hold like a waiting room, and then the news comes out like because like the the these ever afters blew up like a military base. Now they're gonna close the border at El Paso and you know, Oh no, what's going to happen? Well, our fucking characters already know how to get over there anyway. They already did it. <laughs> so it's like, ultimately the resolution, like what leads to the climax of the movie that could have happened without the six hour border crossing bullshit. Yeah. And you know what? They don't need an arbitrary ticking clock. They're surrounded by armed murderers who are chasing them. <laughs> that in and of itself is a ticking clock. That's that's a ticking clock. You don't need like a race against time, like you know it, that you know we now we have to have like this muddy scene in uh, in El Paso, like in the streets of El Paso. You know, like it. it yeah, you could have made it like you know more tense without having like that the that level of bullshit that suddenly you know i'm now thinking about that and i'm trying to think of the logistics like how did they come to that agreement so quickly like was this an agreement so like was this just mexico and canada saying this like they didn't consult with the american government it's i guess they wouldn't have I, i'm overthinking it i know that's dumb God, did but, Michael Bay do a pass <laughs> on this script? In a in a movie in a franchise full of very silly, very contrived world building, this takes the case. But well, well, this I, is the absolute dumbest thing I've seen in any of these movies. I think that it, it's 
he it's almost like this guy couldn't take it like writing a script that didn't have the template that he had in all the other movies all the other times it was just we're following these characters roughly maybe over 24 hours maybe a little less in this i feel like maybe it's like three or four days and I think that kind of broke his brain. <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it. And so it, it, it's, and it's also too, like, just, you could just deal with having, like, the stakes that we have. And then you then throw in redneck Beardo guy who, you know, him and he, he has, like, there are a couple other of these ever afters who corner our heroes in alley at one point. And, it's like, oh, okay, so now you're going to be the bad guys of the movie. We just met you, and we have, like, 20 minutes left. Yeah. It's like, you don't really have enough time to make a personality, except, like, as an actor, you're working with your beard, and that's it. <laughs> that's all I remember about that guy. It's like, I look mean, and I have a beard. Yeah. And, like, his whole thing is, we, you know... We'll let you, Josh Lucas, we'll let you and your wife go if you kill, like, your helpful Mexican friends. Yeah. And then, of course, Josh Lucas is like, fuck you, redneck. And, you know, this act, like, boring action ensues. And it's like, oh, my God, this movie. And, it, like, I agreed. With, like, you, like, turned to me towards the end of this. And you were like, is this, when is this going to end? It's just... It's such a drudgerous experience. When you were done, you were like, more like the dirge. <laughs> I know. I almost, uh, I thought maybe I was just being like too uh, clever. I thought that was a very like Nicolas Cage and kick ass being like, kick ass, more like ass kick. <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, I, again, I think the problem is, frankly, I think if you're not going to give us those, you know, flashes of, like, exploitation, like, uh, craziness, you know, if you're not going to give us the things that are closer to, you know, one of our beloved Penetrator books, <laughs> which is, of course, almost like an in-joke with us now at this point. You guys have no idea what we're talking about, but, like... If you're not going to make this like more of a grindhouse movie, then you got to do better work with your main characters. Like, you better be like Alfonso Cuarón with this <laughs> shit, giving us Children of Men. Like, I have to wonder if maybe he thought he was making like Children of Men with this shit. That's, you know, he totally did. <laughs> he totally did. Only children... That just popped into my head. Only Children of Men is great, and this movie is horrible. Yeah. Oh, and this. Oh, by the way, too. In case you're wondering, um, uh, Josh Lucas's wife. You know, of course, she goes into labor just as they're about to cross the border. But ba the baby is born and fine. In what seems like, you know, born off screen in like an hour, if that. <laughs> and of course. She has no problems giving birth in a tent in the desert. The, the, bir the birth scene in A Quiet Place was, like, more realistic. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you reference our all-time favorite terrible birth scene from Apocalypto. Yeah, where the uh, Jaguar Paws wife, like, uh, has, like, a baby underwater in, like, 
five seconds. Yeah, and then she's good to go. Yeah, yeah, there's no, like, complications, no placenta issues, it's fine. Um, and, uh, thank, uh, and thank goodness, of course, like, a, a helpful, like, Red Cross-style, like, medical team was right there as soon as they crossed the border. Oh, yeah, they've got all their refugee camps all set up, even though... America's only been in civil war for a maximum, maximum of like 36 hours. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think if there were any other spoiler things that we didn't really touch on. I want to, you kind of said this already, but when I said this is like a wussy purge movie, what I meant is the movie doesn't, it's, I don't care about any of these characters, to be honest. I don't care about a single solitary one of them. The movie doesn't kill a single major character. Well, that no, I said that earlier. Yeah, yeah like, that's where it, it's not, like, genuine with trying to be, like, this harrowing trip through, you know, this apocalyptic wasteland where, you know, now it's suddenly like, oh, shit, the purge isn't over. The purge is just going on and on, and it's like... It's way worse because, like, what we thought of as the authorities can't stop it. And, yeah, like, not, the, even just get in a horror movie sense or even an action movie sense, you know, you know, offing someone that we don't expect will raise the stakes. Even in, you know, going back to Children of Men, and I know maybe I'm spoiling a movie now. It's been out 15 years. I think I'm good. Yeah, get over it. Like... Julianne Moore, I think I re- I remember correctly, is killed like pretty early on. And it's in that totally movie. shocking. Yeah, like actually shock us, man. Or even like you know it, it, you know make that like really there baked into it. Like ki- maybe even kill like Adela. Am I mispronouncing her name? No, Adele is. Yeah, like what if you actually if she had died. It's like, oh, wow, oh, this is really bad. No, like, again, it's like a, we're, we're watching almost like a, it, deep down, even though this is trying to be like the, the Walking Dead, this is really like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yes, but a boring desaturated. And Yeah, the yeah, is- there's no color. And even like, I, I just want, like, I know you're all about like, gri- you know, hard, you know, R-rated violence. But as you said, there's no real, nothing except for maybe one moment or, like, there's nothing memorable about the violence. No, like, the kills are not good. They're not... It's... I think because a lot of the kills are, like, super dark. Does it feel like at times that maybe they cut away from showing, like, a lot more blood? Like, they show, like, maybe someone getting shot in the head, but it looks really clean. Yes, there are two instances where a character gets shot in the head in close range, and it's just like a cute, clean little bullet hole. Yeah. Instead of, you know, their brain being, instead of like their face being hamburger, which is what would really happen if you were shot in extremely close range in the head with these it, like massive guns. It's it's funny, um... Before the movie started, um, we when we were in we you know, we were in the theater and this like family with you know like a, a, a father mother and like 
two like pretty young kids like i don't know how old they were they might have been maybe like eight or nine or maybe even younger they came in to watch the movie and at first i was a little worried about like oh no are these kids gonna be like you know making a racket or being doing something and a no they weren't thank goodness but b i like this movie was fine for them it's not like they're gonna like leave <laughs> that with like nightmares or anything like that um this is the kind of movie that... Oh, I gotta bring this up. This is a small thing, but this is one of these... I think this is where, like, I cross the line from being, like... Uh, this is kind of, like... You know, this movie's a little bit obnoxious. To being, like, oh, screw this movie. Fuck this movie. There's one point where, the char- like, a couple of the characters... Because they sp- like t- the characters split off into, like, two groups. You know, like, you see this in a lot of movies where... Like, they're off in, like, t- almost two teams going through El Paso... And two of the characters wind up in a movie theater. And we should be led to believe that now, like, this ever-after purging has been going on for well over a day, if not more. And there's a movie playing on the screen. Why? Why is a movie playing? Like, who is running the projector? Like, you're just doing this because you want to include, like... A scene from a Dracula movie. I know that I maybe that's just a personal thing for me, but like that just showed like we want to be like dark and edgy, but we're not putting any thought into this. Like that's an encapsulation of it in this movie. Every other purge movie kills a character that we follow through like the whole movie. Every other purge movie has the balls. To kill a major character. And yeah. I guess in this movie, there's a guy who literally, I don't even well, know his name. Well, I think that, no, you know what the the filmmakers would say? They kill the Will Patton character. He's not a major character, though. He's in... Well, maybe, like, the audience might recognize him, so maybe that's, like, shocking that they do it. He's in less than ten minutes of the movie. He's not a major character. There's... The guy that I think we're supposed to think is the major character the, death. The, the, the Juan's friend? Juan's friend. Wait, but who gives a crap about him? We don't know his name. <laughs> we don't know a single thing about him. All we know is that, like, you know, they were really tight. And, you know, he he's, like, really, you know, effective at, like, killing people. Like, especially, like, to save the, you know, the white rancher family early on. Like, it... Yeah, very, yeah, ultimately kind of soft. It's like, you know, something like even, uh, you know, a Final Destination movie, I think, has more balls than something like this. Yeah, and it's weird that in some ways, if you think about, like, the actual ramifications of the plot, this should be the grisliest one, because this movie is about... The total collapse of society as we know it. It's about martial law. Yeah. It's about open civil war because the movie yeah. ends with counter militias being formed against the Ever Afters. So when the movie ends, it, yeah, it's the total collapse of society. Yeah. It's truly apocalyptic. And yeah. yet, I think this movie is like the softest one. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Like I was thinking of two things when you're talking about this, as far as like 
how you can still a you can make grizzly still vivid and really memorable and interesting i mean look no further than mad max fury road yeah which is like that has a lot of like you know brown and beige colors but it's also full of very outrageous characters and people who are really leaning into the insanity of the aesthetic of like what they're in and even thinking about the other thing in, in real life going back to January 6th like that capital riot some of those people like storming the capital had a very like like colorful like sense of how they were presenting themselves yeah you, you know, the like, guy, like the, the Q, like the Q shaman. Yeah. <laughs> you had people in their like patriotic quote unquote attire, people dressed like Vikings. Another thing, your comparison to Mad Max Fury Road, this movie, Purge 5, is set probably at least 20 years in the future. Yeah. From now. Not that you would know it yeah. from watching it. Yeah. Like you would think now, like, What's it been like that an entire generation has grown up with The Purge? See, I think they got it that with The Purge election year. Because The Purge election year is set in 2040. Which makes no sense because like, the Frank Grillo character hasn't aged at it, all. It's from... We talked about that inconsistency in the review, but yeah. Anyway, but I think with those like deranged teenage girls, I think what The Purge election year was trying to tell us is... These teenage girls have been born and raised in a world where all they've known is the Purge, and that's why they're so messed up. So, I think the Purge election year tried to get at that. Like, what is it like to have lived your entire life in the shadow of this Purge? Um, or, another thing that this movie mm -hmm. could have addressed but didn't is, we know the Purge is not something every country does it's something america does which is why in a prior movie you see like people from all over the world travel to america just to purge yeah or also i think a character in this mentions that you know i think where she's seeing like the violence happening like on actual purge night she's like this is mexico every night yeah but what do some of our characters who are recent immigrants think about moving to a country with purge night yeah they don't really not the the one th yeah and that's what i mean though is we don't really get like any insight into that you know all it is is like the another character going like yeah this is a i'm used to this this is what happens every night in you know in mexico okay well what else i mean you f you left mexico to come here you know, presumably, you know, the whole thing with, you know, immigrants coming to this country is because they want a better life. They want a country with a constitution where your rights are secured on paper. But if you're also there, you know, you could get killed just like by existing for one night. Like, uh, bruh, like, don't. Yeah, but don't touch on that at all. Yeah. So the movie isn't at all interested in what it would be like emotionally or psychologically mm -hmm. for individuals who have fled cartel mm -hmm. violence in Mexico to work long hours at mm -hmm. difficult jobs in America only to find that 
10 months after they immigrated to America, America as a country collapses totally. Yeah, that would have been kind of, that would have been interesting, but like the movie is so in a rush to keep things moving along that it doesn't really have time for that. Except of course with our stupid conversation between, you know, like you know, white guy, Mexican guy. Oh, I had another idea for something that could have made this movie more interesting. Yeah. What if the immigrant characters in this movie were believers in the purge? What? Because if you remember mm. from prior movies, there's a lot of like pro purge propaganda. What if these individuals who are dealing with mm. cartel violence in Mexico actually believe the BS that the purge makes America into a utopia the other 364 days of the year. So what if they think to themselves, mm. we got to get to America because we believe in the purge. And then they can get to America and become mm. disenchanted. Um. Oh, 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 disenchanted. Okay. That last part, I think, is an important point. Because I was trying to think about that. And I ultimately... Like when it comes down to it, I think that these these movies have like a very like liberal point of view. Yeah. So I don't know if that would necessarily jibe with that entirely. Well, I'm just saying that obviously to us, the people who've watched all of these movies, we know the purge is a total crock. But there are millions of people who believe it. Mm. So if you had actually had characters who came no. to America because well, they believed in the vision of the new well, founding father. Well, that's no, you know what? The more I'm thinking about that, not maybe not just Mexicans. Like what if say imagine in like a purge movie set in Florida. And I know of course already like yeah. <laughs> minds wanting wild, but like <laughs> no, like if you think about in the in Florida, you have like a, a whole population of Republican Cubans. Yeah. You know, people who, uh, you know, co have come to this country from Cuba who are really, like, who are on the right wing. Like, a, like a good, no not all of them, obviously, but a good number of people who vote uh, for Republicans in Florida in the elections are actually, like, right wing Cubans. They would probably be people who are very much for the purge. Yeah, so... Like, so how does that jibe with these Ever After people? Like... Are they on their side? See, this is another thing the movie could have explored, where you have characters who are not American, but they fall for the propaganda of the New Founding Fathers. They arrive to America, and then they find out the New Founding Fathers is only a dream yeah. for native-born white people. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. That, that part, I think, is actually... Yeah, that last part, I think, is what makes it. That, like, totally. Like, and ultimately, that's also baked into, you know, American history itself. Like, you have, a like, a good number of people who want to try to fit into higher white society. And, you know, even the ones who can kiss enough ass, like, you know, the Herman Cain's or Ben Carson's yeah. or whatever, you know, they're still looked at as, like, not really in the club. Yeah. Well, we know Herman Cain isn't, wasn't really in the club because he didn't get the cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we're going to find out Herman Cain's thoughts about the Forever Purge. 
God, that's so mean. I know we've totally gone off track of that. But I think that what we're doing, like what, what your idea though illustrates is just what this movie could have gone for. And instead, as I said, though, ultimately, it's not interested in exploring any complexity with you know, it within its own world. That's why I said yeah. it's ultimately like a Saturday morning cartoon version of itself. It's just interested in quick shocks and, you know, getting us from like one point to the next, you know, and it almost in a way, maybe it, it like, maybe I, the filmmakers are fine with it being, not having characters with any depth because like maybe they thought as well, the audience will see themselves in these people like avatars. I don't get it. I'm a pretty boring person. And yet even <laughs> I can't believe how boring yeah. these people are. Well, I have one more thought, you know, cause I, we should probably wrap this review up soon, but I, to, it seems like in the movie, I don't know if it's entirely clear. Like if the, this whole ever after thing if this has been brewing for like a really long time and just explodes the night after this purge, like it, it, it's like, it feels like this should have, this would have been something that, you know, if it, like, are, is it supposed to be in the universe that this has been like a conspiracy thing that maybe people didn't take seriously and now it's exploded? Like, how is this like, it seems so well organized how it just explodes. Yeah, because what we are told in the movie is that there are a bunch of hashtags on Twitter about the Ever Afters. And we were also told multiple times the Ever Afters are active in, quote, every single city in the United States. Yeah, like every city, including... Uh like Reno, the biggest <laughs> little city. I mean, what's the what's the ever after situation like there? Like, yeah, uh, it, it seems it, uh, now. Oh yeah, on Twitter, yeah, where like so much of the like the country actually is on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The That's movie... kind of it, it. Doesn't have consistency there. That's why I think it would have made more sense to keep it like centered in a, like a one town as opposed to entire country. Yeah. Because, you know, a rogue gang can take over a chunk of El Paso. They can't take over the entire United States. And and if it's this much of like a, you know, if it's this super well coordinated, like how did the new founding fathers not know about it? Like, like when like they clearly didn't want to explode this much they are fine with the purge but they don't want to completely lose control of the country i'm assuming and again i have to assume because the movie's too lazy to actually tell us this i assume the new founding fathers had some awareness of the ever afters but thought they could be controlled and then they found out they couldn't yeah yeah, that, that, that's that's. All right, we've true. talked about this incredibly bad, boring, half-assed movie for too long. Yeah, but I think there is a, a lot to talk about because I feel like this. Uh, one last question: Do you think this will be the last one? Um, it felt like it was the end. <laughs> I mean, these movies are cheap to make, and apparently, Purge Four 
was the most financially successful out of all of them. Mm. So there might be a pent-up demand, but this movie's so bad. I can't imagine it getting good word of mouth. Yeah, I think that there's a good chance this might... Well, well I mean, we'll, we'll wait to see you know, how it does this weekend, but I, I feel like this could be the last one. And so that's why I thought there was a lot we could talk about that, you know, not just this movie, but also how it connects with the other ones and why with that context why this is such a letdown yeah this is one of like this is one of the worst movies i've seen this year if this is the last one it's sad to see him go out like this it's it's a poor little fart of a movie yes <laughs> All right. so so yeah i think uh if you guys have seen the movie or have thoughts in the purge in general if you have your own rewrite of this movie, uh, wagesofcinema at gmail.com. You could also reach us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, we do sometimes read uh, some of your thoughts and feelings and stuff. So if you have them, please send them. We'll try to fit them in in one of our episodes. Um, and I'm guessing when we come back next time, we'll have a better movie. Yes. We almost <laughs> have to. All right. So until next time, I'm Jack. I am Trash Panda Cory. And the wages of cinema is purge. Have a good night.